This is episode 34 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. I want to offer you a hearty welcome back to the Inner Game of Aging podcast. This is episode number 34. And we have what I think is a very interesting conversation for you for today's episode. It is about senior living options. Those options we have to take care of ourselves and our parents as they get older and older. The options for senior living have increased a bit over the past few years. One option is independent living communities that cater to seniors who are very independent with few medical problems. Residents live in fully equipped and private apartments. We also have assisted living communities that are designed for seniors who are no longer able to live on their own safely, but do not require a high level of care that would be provided in a nursing home. Assistance with medications, activities of daily living, meals, and housekeeping are routinely provided in these facilities. And then there is the traditional nursing homes. These provide around-the-clock skilled nursing care for the frail elderly who require a high level of medical care and assistance. Senior housing options now also include facilities that specialize in dementia or Alzheimer care. With memory impairment, it is important to have 24-hour support and structured activities to ensure the safety and the quality of life. There is also an option called residential care homes that that are essentially private homes that typically serve residents who live together and receive care from live-in caretakers. Assistance with activities of daily living, such as bathing and dressing, are typically, typically provided in these facilities. There are other options as well, but as we look at these options, there is something you may not have noticed. Technology is changing our world radically. The introduction of technology has affected so many aspects of modern-day living, but the housing market, and more specifically, senior housing options, has been untouched by technological advances. The tools that could be used to further the convenience and capability of older citizens in these arrangements has largely, largely remained untapped. So when you walk into any of these facilities, you will see little evidence of the technological advances that surround us in our normal environments. And yet, technology exists that can make these facilities and environments so much more efficient, convenient, and effective in caring for our senior citizens. Today's guest, Lisa Sini, is working hard to make sure that the future does indeed come to senior living and other facilities that house the older generation. From her travels and from her own business, she has introduced a wealth of technological solutions that could really change what senior living is for the better. She has explored many technological innovations that could be brought to bear to assist older citizens 
whether they live at home or in a facility specifically designed to house older citizens. Lisa has written two books detailing her experience on setting up many solutions for older people that involve technological innovations that are presently available today to assist those who need it with a number of their daily living chores. When such solutions are employed and integrated into the housing arrangements of older people, the benefits accrue to everyone in the facility. This is especially true where there are several generations sharing the same facility, one of Lisa's experiences in her own personal life. Lisa specializes in how technology can be brought to bear to help ease living chores and assist in dementia care for older people. Her first book is entitled, The Future is Here, subtitled, Senior Living Reimagined. In this book, she gives us an idea of what is achievable today using technology in ways that have massive implications for senior living care. Her second book, titled Hive, The Simple Guide to Multigenerational Living, details her own personal experience of redesigning her living space to accommodate four generations of family as she embraced and welcomed her aging grandparents and a great-grandmother into her own home. Lisa has been involved in senior care and senior living for over 20 years with her own company who designs such facilities around the country. And she is here with me today to discuss many of the findings that she has uncovered over the past 20 years. During this conversation, Lisa and I mentioned many things that will need further reference. You will find links to what we have discussed on the show notes page for this episode. You can also find more information about Lisa herself, information on how to get her books, and a few free offers for you on the show notes page. This is also the place where you can leave feedback and offer a comment about the show itself. Your respectful input is always welcomed and encouraged. The URL for the show notes page for this episode is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA34. And so with all of that out of the way, let's join in the conversation that I've had with Lisa. I want to start off the conversation by just getting a little bit more about yourself. You've written two books, I believe it is. Uh, yes, sir. And I want to understand how you've come to be where you are in relation to the books, what you do. I want my audience to understand what the person they're about to listen to. So my first question to you is, your first book is The Future Reimagined, I believe. And I want to understand how you came to write that book okay. as an introduction to yourself. Sure. Do you want so, me to? Yeah, I'd like to understand how the whole okay. process of that whole book coming about in terms of where you, where you found the topic, how you found the topic, your experiences in that. I'd like to know, what, you know what's in the book that brought you to where we are right now. So uh, we went on this 
trip to Japan, and this was several years ago. And what I found was that um, I'd already know knew about the aging issue and the silver tsunami in Japan, but that they handled the basic needs very differently than we did. They handled them with robotics and technology. And so what we saw was that uh, every toilet every that was out there uh, mm-hmm. was a bidet toilet, even if it was in the public restrooms, which was so foreign because we traveled around the world. You know, you go to Paris and sometimes you'd even pay to use the restroom and you were going in a hole in the ground. And wow. here the Japanese had these fantastic heated seats. They'd blow dry you. They'd wash you. They'd do everything. Wow. And so when I came back home, I bought one for my husband. And we... uh developed this deep love for it. It was a wonderful tool. And then folks that would come and visit really enjoyed it. And then I got invited to something called Singularity University, mm-hmm. oh, which is I held by, um, okay. yeah, yeah, it's Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweiler, and it was on NASA's campus. Uh-huh. And uh, we got to see all the latest and greatest technology that was out there. And it ended up turning into something called Abundance 360. But in doing this, I realized that the very simplest thing that a lot of people go into senior living, which is my area of expertise, is for is toileting, and then it's medication management. And those here we had all highest. this wonderful. Yes, those are two highest. Those are so the two had, highest activities that people need help with as they start to go get up in years in the aging process. Correct. Correct. Interesting. And, I didn't and know that. Part of it's a social aspect. So if you're having trouble and you might have an accident, um, you might not want your bridge club to come over again because you had an accident on your favorite chair. Mm. And so you start to kind of disengage from your community. Mm. And when you disengage from people, you disengage from life, you start to decline. Absolutely. So um, in this, going to this conference, I was like, wow, we are literally... I've been doing this for 20 years, designing senior livings, uh, 25 years um, with other companies, 20 years with my own company. And and we're still designing them like we were in the 80s. Mm. We're not taking advantage of any technology to help people. And and can you imagine we just doing like driving a car without a gas gauge? Yeah. Or (laughs) not having a GPS. Mm. Um, Or not having a thermostat in your home. I mean, we use sensors and technologies all the time, and they become commonplace, but we weren't really integrating them into the senior living environment because the folks that were there at that time were World War II, and they're just, they weren't complainers. Mm, yes, And yes. Uh, well, there's they another, lived through the Depression. There's another, there's another factor to this not using technology. As a technologist myself, I've walked around many pockets of our culture where they have been extremely slow to adopt any technology. And this is part of what I feel you're talking about with the housing market. They too have been slow to adopt or, you know, they've been slow to realize how technology can be brought to bear in bettering their own efforts in building places that accommodate people better than they have in the past. And so I'm seeing this resistance to to technology in several places, not just the housing market. Most definitely. um, But I'm, you know, I'm very curious. 
the fact that it exists in the housing market is not something I've ever thought of before. And you have already, you know, considered what would happen if we brought all this technology to the housing market. Continue, please. Uh, this is starting to be an Correct. interesting so, so I s- started talking to my clients about it and speaking about it. And I, they looked at me like I had four eyes. <laughs> and I said, you know, this is, um, imagine when indoor plumbing and electricity came about. You know, in the 1930s and 40s, there was still, you know, a large proportion in the United States that did not have indoor plumbing or electricity hmm. in homes. The inner cities did, but when you got out into the farmlands, into the rural landscapes, that wasn't a common practice. And I said, this is really how we're dealing with senior living. And the problem is you're going to have these baby boomers coming in that their expectations of how their environment serves them is mm. so much different than a World War II silent generation yes. expectation. Mm. I mean, these are the folks that are spending billions of dollars on supplements and health devices to help them mm-hmm. fight against the clock instead of just roll over and say, okay, you know, Absolutely. I'm, I'm ready Absolutely. to go. Uh-huh. So, so that's how the first book came about. Um, the future reimagined. Um, I, I'm going to mm-hmm. get into the book and have my listeners understand what's in the book, why they should read it and all the rest of stuff. We will get on into that and all this information that we are talking about will also appear in the show notes page for this particular episode. So no one has to take notes. I will be taking all the notes for you and those notes will appear on the show notes page for this particular episode. So in writing that book, um, you've discovered that, well, we're kind of behind in what we could be doing to help things, but you've also written a second book that I wanted to touch on called Hive. Correct. And I wanted to see the experiences that led to that book. So I, um, what happened during this whole thing was that uh, we did start to get some traction and we started to have some uh, clients that were integrating technology in the senior loving homes. And the more I researched baby boomers, the more there was, there were studies that were substantiating that 90% of folks did not want to go into senior living. And I would integrate that into my speeches. And I'd say, you know, you might think that you're doing a wonderful job, but the pure fact is I don't know hardly any other industry that 90% of the people don't ever want to <laughs> come to you. <laughs> I mean, well, that's kind of hard sell, right? Undertake, undertakers is one, I suppose. <laughs> that's exactly right. Dennis, maybe. Um, <laughs> so when we, I started looking at the factor, I thought, wow, I'm, uh, we're designing these four-season type beautiful, top-of-the-line senior living homes to help folks age, and especially with Alzheimer's and dementia. But if 90% of the people don't want to go into them, then there's also this whole other group that might not have the money to be able to afford to go into a a home that we would design. Mm. What about all these other folks? And I looked at my own family, and my we were starting to have some issues, and it hit home to me because my parents were getting in their late 70s. We had a wonderful house, and I had always envisioned them coming to live with us. My mom uh, particularly had help with the kids, and I had thought, okay, I can put an elevator in. I can do all this. They can move in. And um, mm-hmm. what happened was we hosted this 90th birthday party for my grandmother, who was living with my parents at the time. And we had a ball. 
we danced, we um, enjoyed ourselves, and I thought, this woman is up anytime soon. And I think that my parents are about done with being able to take care of a home by themselves. So this means that as an oldest daughter, which falls a lot of the times on the oldest daughter, I needed to re-script my plan. My entire plan of moving my mom and dad into our house with us was not going to work because it was a four-story um, in our house. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have fought, you know, fit my grandmother in there. So we sold the house, got a new one, and convinced everybody to move in with us. And she started to get Alzheimer's dementia at that point. And folks would say, well, what are you doing? How are you doing it? How would you renovate the house? And I thought, this is an excellent opportunity to not only help the people that don't want to go into senior living, but not have money, but also experiment with the technology that I saw out there that could make my parents' life or my grandmother's life easier. Ah, yes, yes. So that's how Hive came about because, as I understand it, I may be jumping ahead a bit, with all of your family living in one house, you used technology quite a bit to help ease the burdens that that would automatically cause. Most so. definitely. Yeah, we, we, and we constantly experiment. And in the book, I talk about some of the design tricks that we do, but mm-hmm. we don't look at technology as something electronic. And I think that's uh, the first thing to understand yes. is the definology of uh, technology is anything that is a tool that helps make your life better. Yes. Not just electronic or not, I mean, you know, electronic has this mysterious word behind it, especially for older folks and, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to demystify all this and just simply call them tools is a step in the right direction. I think so. And so we looked at what tools out there could help us and it might be design tools. It might be electronics. It might be doing a simple calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tool. Now, I wanted to I wanted to divert a bit on the first part of this conversation. After getting that sort of background, and oh, before I leave this, can you talk a little bit about mosaic designs? Again, I will have all this information in the show notes page, including website links and all the rest of that stuff, so my listeners can do a follow up on you. But talk a little bit about mosaic design. Sure. So we, uh, I was in an. I was an in-house designer as a director of interior design for a company called Carrington Assisted Living. And we built homes all over the nation and uh, actually bought some in that. And then they were sold. And I had two wonderful male mentors, Mm -hmm. Rick Slager and Pete Claceres. And when the company was sold, they said, Lisa, you can do this. You can start your own company. And that was 19 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Mm. And they encouraged me and they mentored me. And I started Mosaic. And I thought, well, we'll just do what we do in-house, and now we're going to do it out-house, so to speak. We're going to be able to get the opportunity to work with, instead of one company and culture, we're going to be able to work with thousands of senior living providers across North America and really figure out what the best practices are. So we've been walking that out for the last almost 20 years, and I just have an incredible team. We get to learn so much on a daily basis. and then help improve the quality of life of folks. Cool. I like it. Now, okay, so with that behind us, I wanted to um, sort of touch upon some overarching topics and then get into some more specifics that engage your specialty a little bit more deeply. Mm -hmm. These first overarching topics, really, since you've been connected to seniors, senior living, and things of that sort, 
they really try to collect a perspective and try to see how you feel about some overarching touch um, topics that touch everybody, including me, you, and everyone else who's growing older. And the first one I wanted to, to touch upon is, um, and again, this is my focus. The, I am seeing many organizations, I mean, government agencies and stuff like that try to take care of our elders or try to understand that a time is coming where we will have difficulty because of the numbers of elders. And I'm seeing people approach elders as a specific topic. Now, I drew away from this and I was very attracted to the concept of Hive because I really believe that as long as you approach elders as a separate population segment, you're missing something. And Hive is a multi-generational solution, which really, you know, I keyed in on. And so the approaches that we take that tend to isolate a particular population segment, elders, for example, or in nursing homes, you know, like I'm very attracted to those multi-generational solutions that combine the generations together. Can you speak to this sort of area? What do you feel about the multi-generational solutions? I know you've had hive experiments going in your area, so you must feel in a certain way. What is your thoughts here on multi-generational versus, you know, specific approaches to population segments? If you can I, th- I think it's critical to our success uh, in aging and in life. Not only do, uh, you know, everybody talks about paying it forward, mm. um, but I think you have to pay it backwards. There mm. is a wisdom that is needed for the younger generations. And Absolutely. when you relegate folks as elderly and send them to the house on the hill <laughs> and disconnect them from their community, you're giving up all this intellectual wisdom that the community needs. And it's not only wisdom, but it's love and kindness and understanding. Exactly. Uh, Folks that are, you know, a little more seasoned, may Mm -hmm. we say? Yeah. Don't sweat the small stuff. And Mm -hmm. don't get so anxious. And yet hold people in the community to a higher standard of values. Yes. Which there's nothing bad about that. (laughs) And then on the flip side, you have got the younger folks that inject energy. Mm. into the sea, more seasoned folks and say, you know, uh, let's, let's ratchet this up a little bit. I, I, you know, I reject the thought that you can't go on a walk with me down to get ice cream or mm. around the block or mm. with the dog or mountain climb. This is, um, you just said something that's very critical, you know, um, where I am in, you know, in the inner game of aging, I have, people 20 years older than me, people 20 years younger than me that I associate with, and I learned from all of them. I just came back from a trip in New York where I hung around um, a bunch of young people, millennials and stuff, and I learned so much. And I was so pleased to see how much they learned from me. This intergenerational sharing and wisdom sharing, because I learned a lot of wise things from these young people as an older adult. I, you know, I was impressed with some of their thinking and I can see their eyes open up on some of mine. It was very interesting, very pleasant to see the generations learning from each other. This is critical. I believe in almost any solution that we have 
providing for our elders, they, they must be given purpose. You had mentioned that the, there's a health risk. You didn't quite phrase it this way, but that there's a health risk in social isolation. Can you speak to that a little bit? The, there's a, a lot of things that go along with that. So as we start to become isolated, one, uh, we don't get as, out as much. Mm. Uh, our body posture changes. We sit and watch TV more often. We might not eat at the dining room table anymore. So just from a pure physiology standpoint, mm-hmm. all the things that your body needs to work properly, like moving your lymph system, moving your blood flow, getting oxygen to your brain, proper digestion and swallowing starts to decrease. Um, arthritis, we you know, we know that it's not good to sit around. It hurts a little bit to get up and get moving, but that's much better than to stay immobile. Yes. So from a physiology standpoint, that's one factor. From a mental standpoint, but getting out and about and being challenged is, you know, enormous. Yes. We have to continue to grow and to give. Uh, and I have a friend. Uh, these are wise words. We never stop growing until our last breath. That's an important exactly. verse to know. So Exactly. So Dan Sullivan talks about it and he says, you know, your future has to be bigger than your past. Oh, my goodness. Stop right there. <laughs> I have this I have this phrase that I use. I say to say the same thing that Dan you just said Dan says. I says your up ahead has to be bigger than your behind. <laughs> so because That's it. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. Your up ahead and we, you has know, to be bigger it, than it your motivates behind. you. Yes. Yes. That That's is. why you get now, up. Now for me I would <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh and I, you know if if I don't think that my next 40 years are going to be bigger and better than my past 40, you know, 40 some, I'm not going to be as motivated to keep myself fit and engage and my mind, not only my body working properly, but my mind working properly. Uh, And there's just so many neat things out there to learn. Absolutely. It never stops. And listen to this. What you just said is true for 90-year-olds as well. I have, I've interviewed 90-year-olds on my podcast and elsewhere, and they're all looking forward. Nobody is looking back. I mean, they have a lot of history that they remember, et cetera, et cetera, but they all have forward-looking plans. Even the 97-year-old that I was talking to over the, in New York has forward-looking plans, and that's critical. He has something he, he's looking forward to. At 97, he's taking on new things. I have pictures of him riding a, a bicycle. So what, we, what you said there is very important. We always have to be looking forward to something. I like to say your up ahead has to be better than your behind. It does. It does. I agree with you 100%. And I think the 2020 is so valuable where you were speaking about, Lee, I need friends that are 20 years older than me and 20 yes. years younger. Oh, yes, yes. That is, that, that is important as well. I mean, last night I work out with um, young people all the time, and I'm the old man in the gym. I'm called the grandfather of strength. But last night I got this a valuable, valuable tip on my workout and struggling to do something. And it was amazing how much these young kids are willing to help an old man if you just put yourself out there. Yeah. And I walked away with much education from this particular young man that I would not have gotten if I wasn't willing to open myself up to these young people. That's exactly right. And, you know, 
I think value has no age. Yes, you're right. I mean, we're seeing that with America's Got Talent. I, I uh-huh. <laughs> consistently see these kids that are like eight years old, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are unbelievable. Or Steve Harvey, you know, his show talking about uh-huh. seniors and what they're doing that's phenomenal. And I'm like, you, yeah. the, the excuses are done. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, we have to decide. You can't make an excuse anymore about your body or your mind. Absolutely. It's, it's, that, it's more about where do you want to be and who do you want to touch and how do you want to give? Now, that's what that's what I'm trying to do in the inner game of aging, help people understand that the old ways of growing old are not here any longer. We have new ways of growing older and older, and none of us have to get old ever. And that's so, exactly right. The 90-year-old the I spoke to, she is so far from being old. She's I fell in love with her. I mean, literally fell in love with her in my conversation. She's 90 years old, and this is the snappiest woman you have ever met. And I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm just loving yes. it. And yeah, so- well, I think, you know, when you combine wisdom with age and a spirit for and zest for life, there's mm. not much better than that. Exactly. You hit it on the head right there. The last overarching topic that I wanted to sort of touch on is that of purpose. You mentioned it earlier, we put our elders away to not contribute with a, into our culture anymore, just puts them off to the side when they have so much to contribute. The, the, the factor of purpose as we age can be, well, speak to that a, a bit more because some of the stuff yeah. that your book touches on tries to deliver purpose to, to the elders. Speak to that a bit. Well, I think, I think it a little bit becomes an American issue in that retirement was created, uh, you know, social security and that to be two years after you stopped working. Mm. And we know that's not the case right now. Mm. So retirement means to take out of use mm. or to retire something. That's right. And I think we have to redefine retirement and say, you shouldn't be taken out of use. What you should be doing now is fulfilling your passion and your purpose. That's right. And part of that might be, for my grandmother at least, with Alzheimer's and dementia, is that she was a little depressed when she came to live with us and the change was different. And I said, Mom, I said, you know what? She's going to fold all the clothes for the house and set the table. Mm. She said, oh, I don't know that she can do that. And I said, I need her to do it. And wouldn't you know it, I didn't really need her to do it, but of course I understood. her being needed mm-hmm. gave her purpose. And when you feel like you're only a taker, yes, it's not a good place to be. Yes, she contributes yes, yes. to our family. And, and folks might say, well, they can't contribute or someone can't do this or little kids can't do that. And, and I, I say uh, that's, ex- that's wrong. It's a completely wrong philosophy. You want to give somebody um, a Good self-esteem. Exactly. Let them contribute. I, I know. So my we grandma would, helps us out. That's that's great. I, I like that idea. Of, you know, like everybody has a role in the house to play and we need those roles to be fulfilled. I know a particular lady. Um, she's not overly old, but she holds her family um, in a way that she's a tremendous giver to the point where no one else can give her anything. and mm-hmm. And so... She's not, she doesn't really allow others to, to participate, to have a role because she fills all the roles. I know many women who tend to call themselves super moms and may accidentally, inadvertently fall into this kind of 
thing. But what you said is so important. It's important for others to give to you as well as you give to others. We need, oh. we need both directions of that. We're unsatisfied 100%. if it's only one direction. Yeah, um, it is. And it's you're handicapping someone when you're not allowing them to participate and give. It's not exactly. fair to them. It's exactly. not fair to the family unit. And that's why I called the book Hive. Mm-hmm. We have bees. And what I noticed when my husband got these bees was that everybody had their role in a hive. Mm. The queen bee has her role. There's worker bees. There's drones. There's protectors. Mm. There's everyone has their role. And. When you have your role and you know your role, you're much happier in how Absolutely. you're able to contribute. Absolutely. This is true for a dog. When I was training dogs many years ago, an untrained dog is nowhere near as happy as a trained one. And we saw that mm-hmm. easily in the animal kingdom. When a dog knows what he's supposed to do and is able to please his master by doing it, he's a much happier dog than just lounging around doing nothing and occasionally getting a pet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like I could exactly, see that. Yeah. That's the rules of life, right? Yes, exactly. So, well, I've enjoyed this part of the conversation. Now I want to get to your specialties more specifically. Yeah. Um, okay. The um, technologies, what sort of technologies are you seeing that really could play major roles in living upcoming in the next 10 years or so? Mm-hmm. Well, I um, let's not talk about the genetic modifications and things like that, because there, that there is a whole side of telemedicine and personalized medicine yes, that's yes. coming on board. Yeah. It's going to be exponential. Uh, but from a standpoint of tool technology, yes, um, yes. I didn't confine data it. mining and artificial intelligence are enormous. Okay, so, let's define them for my audience. Data mining and okay. intelligence. Let's define them. So data mining is if anybody out there has a Fitbit or any kind of health device mm-hmm. and it's starting to read and it and it gathers all your data, Pandora is data mining. So it listens to the songs that you like and you put a thumbs up or a thumbs down and mm-hmm. it creates a playlist for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, it basically is taking the knowledge and documenting it and then moving it forward to give you choices that you like and to help you. So, for instance, I have a tool called Cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A, and it's Mm -hmm. on my uh, Best Living Tech website. Mm -hmm. More caregivers, females, die from stroke or heart attack than breast cancer. Mm -hmm. This little deal sits on the back of my phone or in my hands, and it takes an EKG, FDA, approved EKG anytime I want it to. Mm-hmm. It captures that data and starts to learn what my heart looks like. Mm-hmm. And when my heart is out of sync, it'll tell me it's abnormal and you need to contact your doctor. And then I can send that right off to my cardiologist or my doctor and predict about five days ahead of schedule if I'm going to have a stroke or a heart attack. Interesting. Interesting. This is, um, I have to dig into this. I like to um, explore this more on my website, you know, through your, through your, your website, the, uh, it's called Cardia. Now, ha, w- do you have to wear anything? Does it, w- no, w- it's that, really interesting. Uh, it's this little tiny, um, I would say it's a, a little bit smaller than a Hershey chocolate bar. Hmm. So it fits on the back of the phone, but if you could think of something in a rectangular shape, very, very thin, mm-hmm. 
and you can carry it in your pocket also, but you just put your fingers on it. And with technology being so advanced right now, it actually can do an EKG and your, um, uh, heart, you know, how many hearts yep. per second. And it'll let me know if there's an issue. Um, it can Excellent. do Excellent. AFib. It can do a lot of different things. I will have a picture on this of this on my show notes page for this episode because it's intriguing me. So anything we talk about, I will be doing more research on and trying to provide um, additional information to my listeners on these things. So um, that's that's just one small example of data mining. Um, you know, your Google phone or your iPhone might tell you if you're putting notes in or addresses for parties, it might come up. Mm -hmm. I know mine did this about a year ago and it kind of scared me. It said, Hey, you need to leave for this appointment in 20 Uh, minutes. And I thought, that's really weird, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it knew that I had an appointment and it also with the uh, location on it, the GPS, it was able to tell where I was located and I wasn't at the address that I was supposed to be. (laughs) So let me, let me back up a bit. I'm trying to define, get a more formal definition for what data mining might be, so my listeners can understand. It's just capturing a set of data that where we can draw some conclusions about you, where the data came from, either your health or your habits, or and and predict when th- something is right or wrong, or if you're trying to change goals, what you might, the direction you might head in. So data mining is just taking your own set of data and using them to achieve a higher purpose or another purpose. hundred percent. You know, GPS does that all the time where you put in an address mm -hmm. when you're driving your car. Mm -hmm. And if you're stuck in traffic, it's going to predict that you're going to take longer to get there. That's right. Arrival time. That's right. Than what it previously did. And this is a kind of a form of data mining at at a lower level, of course. It is. um, It's completely. And it'll be everything from shopping, Mm -hmm. Um, the data mining that will start to happen in the next five years is that if you're ordering some things off of Amazon or ordering your groceries, you know, online or whatnot, things are going to show up at your door before (laughs) you need them. And then you're going to be able to ship back what you don't want for free. Now, interesting in this data mining scenarios that we're talking about, one of the, one of the comments you'll hear is that of, intrusiveness or privacy settings or how do we how do we deal with those sort of things because this data mining opens us up to a lot of bad stuff maybe good stuff you know like mm-hmm. how, you know this it comes at a cost is what i'm saying how do we pay that cost properly it does it um being fully connected to other people or in a community always comes at a cost right yes, yes. and the um, the argument is, is if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have to worry. But we know from history that that's not always true. If mm-hmm. it gets in the hands of someone abusive, mm-hmm. um, for instance, going through TSA, everyone pretty much, you know, when you're going through the airport and you're going through yep. the TSA, you're like, well, the benefit of them being intrusive and patting me down and going through all my things and looking at through an x-ray is worth them catching the possibilities. A yeah. Mm-hmm. The possibilities. The benefits of you getting an x-ray or someone shoving tubes in you or probing you when you're sick is worth them finding out what's wrong and solving your situation. Mm -hmm. So it always comes down to a risk-reward benefit analysis. And um, if it makes you 
thing, your life easier. So for instance, for me, if I know that I'm on a medication that I have to take every month and the analytics say I'm still going to be on it, I'd rather have that automatically show up at my door than me have to remember to go to the pharmacy to pick it up and then potentially screw up how my medication management is. And I, I would agree with you. However, we have to realize that what we're talking about here is still a personal choice. Now, with that being said, there's going to be, you know, the, um, the theory of diffusion of an idea throughout a culture. There's going to be early adopters, late adopters, and laggards and things of that sort. So what I'm suggesting is that there's always going to be a segment of our population that will resist these kinds of innovations. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> the, you're going to have people go off the grid. You're going to have, uh, you're going to have a rejection uh, to a certain extent. Yes. Um, but again, I can't imagine not having GPS on my yeah, phone while I'm exactly. driving. And well, I saw that. I saw that same thing happen with GPS. Many of my friends rejected a GPS. They no longer do, of course, because GPS is all over the place. Their advantages have been documented. The disadvantages are not there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so now a GPS is so common, even my survivalist friends will accept the GPS as a, as a valid tool. It so, is. It's your Overton window. It's, <laughs> it's how it moves, <laughs> yes. you know, and it's what's acceptable. Uh, you know, what's acceptable 10 years from now is we couldn't even – dream of. I can remember watching Waterworld with Kevin Costner and thinking how outrageous that people would pay for water to drink. Uh (laughs) I mean, I just really thought it was a ridiculous concept. (laughs) Yes, I I understand as I sit here with my water bottle (laughs) drinking it. Yes. (laughs) But it's a convenience factor, right? And then you can carry it with you. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with drinking out of the tap, but I I think what will happen is that we will shun the technologies that don't offer extreme value. Yes. And then we will have to put in place some rules. Uh, I think the internet is about ready to engage in some rules, Mm -hmm. just like TV did on what's acceptable and not acceptable. Okay. And it's the same thing with all the technology. Um, You know, I think there was a big court case just recently about Alexa. There was someone that was murdered or missing and whether or not they could take all that data from that and help solve that crime. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now we spoke about data mining. I'd like to deal with another area that could be big in the next 10 years. Can you point me to the next area I'd like to explore? Sure. Um, The internet of things. So how houses are connected with everything Mm -hmm. from your lighting to security to your TV, uh, thermostat, cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, you know, I was just in Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And they had changed out all their displays within the last three months. And the staff, the sales staff there were so shell-shocked <laughs> because <laughs> I said, can you explain this to me? And they said, well, you really need to make an appointment because we're not even sure what the heck is going on. From Google to Amazon to Apple, um, it's kind of off the charts right now of how everything is being connected to make your life easier. That's right. And how that one of the things that it does is it allows us to not be tied 
to our home. You're absolutely right. I can control. Um, I recall when I bought my car and I have this remote starter that can be used as long as I'm connected to the internet from anywhere around the world. I can be in Australia and start my car in America. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, or, or turn off or unlock my door while I'm in Australia. Should I, should it be? Right. So let's say you're out for a wonderful dinner with your wife mm-hmm. and uh, someone was supposed to come in and read the meter or whatever the case, mm-hmm. or you had a, a neighbor friend that was going to do something at your house and the meal's taking longer and you didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, look at the camera, see that that's the person that, you know, unlock the door for them. They could go in and do what you want. There'd be a notification that he left. You could lock mm-hmm. the door. So mm-hmm. that convenience factor that you no longer have to wait the three hours for the cable guy to show up yep. or that you have a, uh, maybe you have a um, second home. It's a mm-hmm. cabin or something like that. And before you get there, it might be wintertime, you can start the heat up. You have your nest. Mm-hmm. You can start that all up, and it's nice and warm and cozy when you get there instead of waiting three hours. Oh, this, <laughs> these are excellent examples, everything. Lisa. Lisa, these are excellent examples. Um, give me another. I'm sort of excited. The more examples you give me here, the more I see the possibilities. Give me another example of how technology is going to be playing in our living over the next 10 years. You've well, I think one, so far, yeah, I one of the things is that, um, and this will happen probably within the next two years, mm-hmm. is that you've got to look at every device in your home as being an entertainment and learning vehicle mm-hmm. and communication vehicle. So a TV is no longer a TV. Yes. A phone is no longer a phone. So the Internet of Things, the connectivity is a kind of a big one for me because I see so much there. You've given me two examples of how that could be used, uh, you know, heating my summer, my winter home and, you know, on, you know, not waiting for the cable guy and things of that sort. Another example of different technology, I'm trying to collect them because they are spurring right. the thoughts in my mind. Another example, please. So if you think about your devices as not being, you know, we used to have a radio was a radio and a cassette tape was a cassette tape mm-hmm. and a TV was a TV. And then your security system through ADT or whatever it was on all the windows were, was that. And your mm-hmm. thermostat was your thermostat. Mm-hmm. Phone was your phone. Now, let's think of them all as integrated together and add in lights. So, you know, we had a security light so that if we left, you know, you'd put the yep. little timer on it and it'd come on at a certain time. Now we can leverage the technology that, let's say I'm watching a YouTube video and I think it's really funny. I can walk into a room that might have a device on the wall that I might call a TV, but it's really a large monitor. Mm -hmm. And I can throw that up on the screen and let everybody enjoy and watch it, the whole family, Mm -hmm. instead of passing around a little, my phone or the iPad. Of course. Um, For my grandmother, my grandmother's 95, has dementia, as we spoke about. Mm-hmm. This is a very real, tangible incident. My parents were out um, have, at a movie. We were out, and the power went off. And um, they got a notification immediately to their phone that the power went off. My grandma's in a recliner that's an automatic, you know, electric recliner. Mm-hmm. And the camera was not working to be able to check on her. And so my parents called my daughter and said, can you get home real quick and check on grandma? 
she did, and my grandmother was stuck in that recliner. She couldn't get out because Ouch. it was laid back and the electric was out. So had those notifications not been working for us, hmm. it, it really was helpful for my grandmother. My parents mm-hmm. didn't have to worry. We were able to problem solve through the whole situation. Now, because it was all connected. Said, what you just said is also an example of data mining. Yeah, um, because, I mean, you know, something was supposed to happen that didn't. Your, the census said your mother was, you know, in a place that maybe seemed unusual. She was in that. Exactly right. Place. And, and so, the lights are connected to that. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have sensor lights that'll tell me if she's going into rooms or not and how many times she got up at, out of bed in the middle of the night. Now, that could be an in indication that she's having a bad night or that her medicine isn't mm-hmm. doing well, or maybe she has a UTI and we need to get her to the doctor. Sure. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Now, so these innovations that you're talking about, one, they're not really all that far-fetched. A lot of them exist today. I mean, you know, we're not talking about the future as much as we are in the present. And so, you know, um, I'm sort of projecting out another 10 years. What that time will really do is help it to become adopted. It's already existing. The technology already exists today. Oh, it totally yeah. does. And I think Wi-Fi has changed everything because you no longer have to hardwire. Yes, that's right. And so, so it's portable. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's where it becomes flexible. All right. So now... Uh, the one of the questions I wanted to ask, especially because of your experiences with your grandmother, is I do a lot of, you know, my attention is drawn to dementia because of the inner game of aging. Many people want me to talk about dementia, and I have to understand things myself. I have a, a several episodes talking about dementia. I wanted to understand more specifically, I read something as I was researching you, where you have dementia-specific um, senior living arrangements. And I want to understand what dementia-specific design is like. What is that? Sure. Um, so if you could, I don't know, are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm left-handed. Okay. So if you had to write your name right now with your non-dominant hand, Mm-hmm. And write down everything that you did two days ago in 15-minute increments. I would bet that you would become a little bit frustrated and had might even having some trouble remembering what they were if I asked Absolutely. you to do it right now. Absolutely. Yet, this is what we're asking seniors to do with some cognitive decline. Um, and not only are they not getting enough oxygen to their brain, but their their days are flowing together. They're very similar. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you've been on vacation, someone will say, well, it's Friday, right? And you're like, no, it's Tuesday. Yeah. You know, one of those things. You kind mm-hmm. of lose track of time. And yet we look at folks that have some cognitive issues. It might be from Parkinson's or from a stroke or from Alzheimer's mm-hmm. as somehow very different from us. But they're not. Not um, at all. I liken it. Yeah, I liken it to going down a highway, and you've never been to the location before. And there's multiple signs very quickly, and you've got to make a decision. That's very stressful. Yes, it is. Now, if you've been there before, you know to get in the far right-hand lane and get off. But if you haven't, you're trying to read that whole thing. Well, someone with cognitive issues, the more decisions that you have to make quickly when you feel like you haven't experienced them before, even if you might have just earlier, 
become stressful. So it might be. What you're saying is very interesting. One of my previous episodes, I interviewed an organization called Second Wind, who provides the virtual dementia tour. What this is, is it simulates dementia inside of you. They put on these goggles, they put on the gloves, they have these headphones on, and they send you into a room with giving you certain instructions. All while this, while you're goggled with gloves and the sound going through your head, you're supposed to feel these. You act just like a person with dementia. I, I've documented myself going through this and I know what it feels like just to not know what's going on and not be sure of whatever it is you are doing or saying. It's not a comfortable feeling at all. No, no. But it I feel still, terrible. But I, the actual sense of dementia, I'm not sure that I truly understand what it's like. I can imagine from having my own circumstance what it's like to have my days flow together and not be able to distinguish them apart like that. But that's just an imagination on my part. I do not really know. What sort of designs in a house, you know, might you, you know, affect in order to alleviate some of the symptoms that the person with the cognitive issues might be going through? Well, I came up with something called the love method. So kind of an easy... Love method? The love method. It's an easy acronym. And it's about light, optimize, visual, and ease. Okay. So with light... I want as much natural light as possible. I want to be able to kick off the circadian rhythm, have melatonin produced in the brain, be able to go to sleep properly, be able to see things properly. Mm -hmm. So we want to have a lot of light and make it easier for people to be able to do what they need to do. And a a senior needs about 70% more light coming into their eye than a Mm 24-year-old. Optimize is about decreasing choices. When you decrease choices with someone that's, has cognitive issues, you increase independence. Yes. So these are counterintuitive, mm-hmm. but if I decrease the choices that she might have in her clothing, she's able to be more independent and dignified and get ready. It's just laying out on her bed. If there's nothing in her bathroom that she doesn't need, she's not going to accidentally use the wrong thing Excellent. You know, to Excellent. do something. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to only have what she needs. We're going to have purpose-built spaces. Um, the bidet is another optimized. So she can take care of herself mm-hmm. with a bidet toilet seat by cleaning herself instead of every time having my mother help her. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. Visual is about contrast and cueing. So if I have um, a handrail that's the same mm-hmm. color as the wall, that's kind of hard to see. Ah, yes, that's right. (laughs) So I'm going to create a little bit of contrast. In the bathroom, I might do a green color behind the toilet because the white porcelain toilet is going to pop out a little bit more versus a lighter wall, so it's Mm -hmm. easier to see. Mm -hmm. Um, At the top of, um, for queuing, I purposely didn't do one of the new age kind of kitchen dining rooms altogether. Mm. Our kitchen is our kitchen and our dining room is our dining room. Yeah, it makes it simpler for cognitive issues. <laughs> so it's easy for her to understand. And then ease, um, some simple things would be having a faucet that doesn't have two leather levers. Let's say I can't remember that I've got to blend the hot and the cold together. Ah. And I could scald myself or freeze myself. So I would have a single knob mm-hmm. and that's a lot easier to operate. Um, having a landing before I enter a staircase. So I'm not mm-hmm. just walking right down the stairs. Okay. Um, flooring transitions being very minimal. 
having the bed located so that you can have some muscle memory hmm. so that you're always getting up on the same side. Those are, those are examples of ease. Do you have a, a list of such design house design tips? Because these sound like, you know, these sound like treasures actually. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I have it all in the book. Um, Hive, and but mm-hmm. I also have a 21-point checklist on how to age in place. Ah, let's, what's, what's in that offering? Let's, let's go to that. So the 21-point okay. checklist is um, if, you're, if anyone would go to the site after we're together. And I will have, it, I will have sign, it on my show notes page. If, right, if sign up for it. I'd be happy to send that in uh, to them. But okay. if they want more in-depth information, the okay. book, which they can also order from my site, has everything in it. And it also has a lot of fun stories. And I have you know, a, lot of, I'll have a link to that as well. So. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So this 21 point checklist is basically gives some of these tips and hacks. I call them hacks um, yes, in, order, they are. <laughs> in <laughs> order to make it easier for a person with cognitive issues to live. Um, oh, most it, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I will include that on my show notes page. Now you have a website for mosaic design. Um, mm-hmm. Tell the audience it's URL and how so they can have, get to you and yeah. everything else. So oh, this is your design time to advertise. A, oh, excellent. Well, um, really, we have a fantastic team at Mosaic. And what we do at Mosaic is design the homes that you would go into when you no longer want to live at home or a family member doesn't. And that's across the nation. And that's mosaicdesignstudio.com. Cool. We have Best Living Tech, which is www best living tech. And that's all the technology that I've curated through this experiment and my career. Think ARP meets sharper image. Okay. So it's the toilet seats. It's, it's the cardia for your mm-hmm. heart. It's all those things. So we want to get all these tools out there in the hands of folks as, as much as possible, because I think the more we bring up and help people to thrive and really grow, they can give. Yes. And giving and is that what helps it's all everybody. about. So, it is. It is. And then Lisa, Lisa M. Cini is my website. Okay. Where you'll that's get your the 21 website. point checklist and learn about the books and such. Okay. Now, um, this has been fascinating. You've kind of opened my eyes to something I kind of knew about, but wasn't focused on. I'm seeing it now in a different way because of our conversation here, Lisa. I hope my audience is tuning into this because. I'm sort of convinced, as you are, that this stuff is going to be really affecting our lives in years ahead as we, as we age and as we continue to find new and new places to live. So I wanna, I've had a fascinating time speaking with you. I want to start to wind this down now because we've gone over our time limit. But I always talk a lot, and I, you're a talker too. So. Yes, <laughs> so. I am. I am. We're community. <laughs> Communicators, right? <laughs> yes, that, that's my excuse. <laughs> that's the one I use. <laughs> I'm communicators. Lisa, I want to thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. You've tuned me into something that I wasn't as keenly aware of before I spoke with you. Thank you so I much. I had such a good time, and thank you so much for all you're doing. And I have to say that, you know, at 67, I've got to start working out because you're Why? phenomenal. Why? What did I do? I, because I, you know, I was blessed with uh, some decent DNA and I'm almost 50 now and I got to start, you know, game on. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm 67 and I try to stay in shape and try to inspire other people, not necessarily to do what I do. That's not 
the goal. You know, at 67, you're not supposed to be doing what I do, but you are supposed to be doing what you can. And that's, that's the goal. Exactly right. You know, so you're well, not you, supposed to be competing with me. You. <laughs> so don't look at, <laughs> I'm not going to compete with you, but you've definitely inspired me. I appreciate well, that. Thank you. I'm, I want you to join me in living for a very long time, a very helpful and productive life with all the technology around us to support everything we want to do. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. Thank you. And that wraps it for episode number 34 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Although all is not yet in place on the show notes page for this episode, what you will find there will bring much more information about the topics discussed in this episode. Lisa and I are still figuring out ways to provide as much value on that show notes page as we possibly can. So, we've continued our discussion offline about setting up this show notes page for your continued exploration of these topics. On the show notes page, you will be able to get access to Lisa's 21-point checklist on how to age in place. And you will find information about Lisa, her two books, and her two companies, Mosaic Design Studios and Best Living Tech. There is even a promotion code for a discount for you on anything you would like to pick up from the Best Living Tech website. Also, the show notes is where you would leave your comments for Lisa or me to tell us your experiences of how technology has solved various problems for you and your loved ones. The show notes page will be in flux for just a few days after this episode has been released. But we will stabilize the information and the offers there for you as soon as possible. So I hope to see you all there. The URL for the show notes page follows the same familiar pattern. InnerGameOfAging.com forward slash IGA34 And while you are there, join the Insiders Club for more information on our message of growing older without ever growing old. If you would like to help spread the Grow Older, Not Old message, one of the best things you can do is to leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher for this podcast. These reviews help others find this podcast. The more reviews there are, the easier it is for others to find this podcast. This is simply the way iTunes and Stitcher work for their algorithms. So, reviews on these podcast platforms expose the podcast and the message to others who may not have heard but need to hear. If you know of someone who could use the older, not old message, why not share this podcast with them directly? You can do your part to influence the cultural change that will help us all. And so, until next time... Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Mo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.